Hello everyone and welcome to part 2 of our interview with Sirens netballer Nicola McCleary. On this episode Nicola talks to us about the mental factor of performing in sport and how this impacts her within a netball context. Here's what she had to say. Right, so Nicola, as you've probably experienced, there are several factors that can impact your performance. And again, this links to the, the PE curriculum that we that we have to teach to the pupils. We want to ask you a bit about the mental factor. So could you pick a mental sub-factor that stands out in your performance and give an example of whether it had a positive or negative impact on your performance? Yeah, so for me, decision-making is a massive, massive factor um, that impacts on my performance on a daily basis. So for my position, it's really, really specific, again, similar to agility, um, being physical, but in terms of mental decision-making, it's crucial that every time I've got the ball in my hand, I've got to make a decision about what to do with it. Um, and a kind of big example, I was actually thinking about it when I was thinking, oh, what, what is probably the biggest example of this? And 2018 at Commonwealth Games, we it was our final placing, so we're playing um, for placings at the end, and it ended up a draw during the match against Barbados, so it went to extra time. And how extra time works, it's two seven minutes, and then whoever's the winner after the seven minutes is who wins. So that was probably the most intense pressure I've ever been put under as a player. Um, playing at the Commonwealth Games, first of all, then playing <laughs> in a placing match to then go and play in extra time. It's the first game I've ever played in extra I think I played in extra time when I was a really young kid, but in terms of actually under pressure, under scrutiny that everything, every single pass matters, the intensity just increased massively for me. And for that two seven minute periods, every time I caught the ball, it was like, you need to make sure you effectively choose who to pass to, when to pass to it, how you're going to pass it. So you actually have to pick about right, what selective pass are you going to actually make? So are you going to chest pass it? Are you going to shoulder? What are you going to do here? Um, just to ensure that you're then successfully getting to your shooters to give you an opportunity. Um, if you, we always talk about if you've got the ball in the hand, the other team can't score. So if you've got possession of the ball, you're wanting to try and keep it as much as you can. And for my position, my main job is to keep possession for our team to then give us opportunities to have a shot at goal. Um, so for me, at that time, every time I got the ball, even although you're under pressure, it's how do you deal with it? Like, quickly make your decision, analyse what's happening in front of you and just go and make your decision quickly. Um, and for that, that and kind of pressure, the intensity that you had and the pressure you had on you to then make a good decision was really, really difficult. But in the end, we came out and we won it. So yeah, it was it was a massive experience for me, but one that positive impact, it showed that Either they worked on my decision making, my decision making being good throughout the tournament. It's then like, right, where it really counts, can you execute under pressure? Which I was able to. Yeah, I think that's a really good example as well because at the start of a game, mm -hmm. like you get plenty of time, you can you've got a lot more. You're not under as much pressure, but as you come to those like, for example, getting extra time like that, every single pass and decision you make really counts. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's a, that's a good one to speak about how how pressure affects it as well. Yeah, and we also. Sorry. Um, no, we all talk about having there's always crucial moments in a game. So even like in the first quarter, like you say, if you make an error, you've got time to win it back. But they'll always normally in an eight ball game there'll always there'll be crucial moments where it's the team that handles the pressure the best that will come out on top. Mm -hmm. And it's been proven so many times because if you can handle the pressure, you'll see that you maybe get a two, a three point lead, a four point lead, and the other team there are obviously fallen. 
if you crumble under that pressure, then it goes the reverse way. Yeah. You can see that happen as well. Have you got any key standout moments where it's had a negative impact on your performance? I think, I mean, there's been games as well. Like even you've just been like, oh my God, why have I just done that? Oh, there's times where you pass the ball and you think, what on earth were you thinking? Uh-huh. Or you go to pass the ball and you think it's going to go where it's going to go. Yeah. And then it goes somewhere completely different. There's been loads of moments. <laughs> for me, it's just trying to minim- we <laughs> We call them brain explosions. Um, so within the team, you try and minimise brain explosions. Yeah. Um, and we talk about having, because that's something we talk about in like an analysis before it, and if we were doing like team talks before it, um, we'd always like look at what the plan of action is, and we'll speak about like our error rate is a big thing that we'd speak about in terms of how many errors we want to get below. So when we go after the game, it will show our error rate as a squad and have we achieved. So normally, if you're looking probably to win a game under 25, under 20 errors as a full team and then you'll get individually how many errors you made so you're trying to minimise obviously for different positions so for the attackers the likelihood of you making more errors is probably more likely than what a defender is because they're trying to win you the ball yeah yeah. Um, but again so I'll have more I'll probably be on the ball more than what they would be on the ball Mm. Um, so you've even got your percentage of in the game I'll find out what percentage I had of the ball how many times I had the ball in my hand and you'll be able to then that, you can compare that to defenders, but you can look at, right, how many errors did I make at that time? And we do speak about having a blue head. So when you're in the game, like, see all your options. Make sure you're, like, analysing the full thing. Can you actually scope everyone that's in front of you? Do you know where your options are? Um, so a lot of times, even when I always spoke about video analysis, but you'll pause it and the coach will say, right, so what's your options? And you've got to then be able to read your options so you've got to have an answer. Um, and then if it's maybe we don't have an option, well, why do we not have an option? Where is the option meant to be? And we'll kind of draw where that needs to happen. Um, so I think it's a good one to think about. That decision-making in our sport is massive, but even from a position, it's even bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, think, I think that's what separates the top players from like the world-class players. That separates them that you can do it under pressure. It's already doing it in the first quarter, as you said. It's trying to do it when it really counts towards the end. And obviously, CRD's had... Has a, has a big impact as well if it's extra time for the last seven minutes so you take all that into consideration all the factors impact each other yeah they all cross, like they all work hand in hand with the crossover at some point and it's just about how consistent you can be with it and can you actually keep it going for a sustained amount of time and like you say with CRE like in that last two seven minutes we got to a point that we're probably not trained in a game like that in so long because the intensity is so high mm-hmm. the pressure is then increasing so your decision making is crucial. Your CRE, can you actually, your agility, are you still able to quickly change direction to get yourself free so you're actually available for a pass for somebody to give you the ball? Yeah, yeah, they just totally all intertwine with each other, don't they? Like you could think of so many factors that um, decision making just links to in that yeah. specific example. Even looking at like socially, like if you're talking about teamwork or communi- communication at that point as well was a big one for us because the crowd was so loud. There was thousands and thousands packed in the arena that you're playing and you're literally trying to listen and just so, like zone in to one voice on the court, like your teammates. Like the coach at the side, you've got no chance of even hearing a coach. So mm-hmm. everything relies on the mm-hmm. seven players on the court and how do you communicate to each other. And there's been times even at big competitions, we need to come up with different, like we use hand signals a lot or we use numbers with our fingers. Because I can't sometimes get mm-hmm. to my defenders, but I need to tell them something. So trying to get information share, that comes out of teamwork and communication is massive. 
Like, wow. That's interesting that you say that, like you can't hear your coach because it's totally different from a football game. Like the sounds get somewhere to escape, but in like a, inside the hall, it's just, I can't, I can't even imagine what it sounds like. It must be absolutely mental. And you find when pressure comes, like this, the like, high pitch whose voice goes yeah. higher, which Aye. we spoke about that a lot about when it starts, the pressure goes, everyone starts to kind of shout, which actually doesn't help. It oh. actually has a negative impact on what we're doing, whereas we actually just need to speak and find different ways to communicate to one another. Aye, that's interesting, that. Right, so how do you balance your work and training? Because you must be insanely busy between juggling, obviously, full-time at the sirens and working as a PE teacher as well. That's exhausting, uh, exhausting enough. What are the kind of main challenges that you face? like on a, a weekly basis with it? For and me, how do you work up them? Yeah, everything just comes down to organisation. As long as you're, or, like, I've said this for years, and there's people who come in and they always say, what's the best advice you can give me? I'm like, if you're organised, you'll be fine. Yeah. As long as you, you need to prepare. So there's days that I leave my house at 6am and I'm not back in here till half nine at night. And that's, you go to training in the morning, you go to work, and then you go back to training. So it's literally yeah. just, I go from the Emirates, the Trinity to back to the Emirates. So in terms of those days, like meal prep is huge. So in terms of actually what you're eating, how do you get through your day? So nutritionally wise, what are you eating? Um, and we're lucky enough to have nutritionists on board. So like we'll be given like ideas. doesn't tell you specifically what to have, but there's loads of ideas that you can then go with what you prefer. And it will tell you like post-training what you should be eating. And then how like 30 minutes after training, you've got to have a snack of some kind. And then it's obviously your meal straight after. So what should that include so it makes it a lot easier for me to plan because then I know what I roughly want to eat um so normally like on a Sunday I plan my meals from Monday to Friday and that'd be me sorted so I don't even need to think about it because you get everything else with work going on with training going on that you, that kind of wants to just be something that just helps you out mm-hmm. um but just so it's what happens it's what happens when um, the P department's got all the cakes and because you'd have absolutely no chance of sticking to it if you're in that department <laughs> Well, <laughs> this is where the difficulties come because we do it every payday. It drives me nuts. I mean, I love it in a way, but I also hate it. But we do payday cakes. So every four weeks, it's like a different department do the cakes and you go up and everybody's there. And like, I'm not even joking, some departments have put fruit on for me because they think it's a running joke. And I'm like, that's not even funny. Like, I don't even know what like, I just don't know how insulting. <laughs> but I am... Um, into our department, actually, because I walk into some departments, and I'm like, oh my goodness, there's just so much treats and like, I know. We, are, we are actually quite lucky that our department don't really eat too much. Like, mm-hmm. we, I mean, we all eat, but we don't eat like bad food in in terms of well, a lot of us all train, um, and it's quite good because a lot of people have. I've obviously been there with my netball, but also we've got Scott Stewart, who's a footballer with our growth. So having him now in the department, I've got somebody else to, they don't just slag me, they slag him as well. So I'm like, I try and deflect it away from me and try and get on to him. Um, but to be honest, everyone is like, we've got a lot of them that go to the gym and everyone's pretty fit. So don't get me wrong, there's days where people come in and they just want like some junk food or whatever they want. And that's fair enough. Like, a lot of the time on a Friday they'll order in food, but if I prepare yeah. for the weekend anyways, then I've got my food lying there. So I'm like, I'll just yeah. whatever. They all, to be fair, the work will understand. There's times where they're like, come on, just have something. <laughs> I'm like, if I want a treat, then I would have it. Like, I would never just yeah. myself up. Because you train hard enough to be able yeah. to have, like... I'm going to make that much never, Yeah, I've always said it's all about balance. And if you have the balance in your life and you know how to control it, then there's absolutely nothing wrong with that whatsoever. And... 
I know if I ate loads of rubbish, I'd feel horrendous at training, so I'd never do that. No. I think feel worse. So you just know when to do it. Like on a Sunday when I'm maybe not training, you maybe have like a wee treat or have a cake or like you go out for dinner. Like that's fine. Or you're just more sensible during. Like I always feel during the week you're very sensible about it. Yeah. I, I do believe it's all about balance and making sure like you plan ahead. And for me, even with work, like deadlines, like sometimes even with reports, like I'll have my reports done like two weeks before the deadline because I'm already ahead of where I need to, like I know what the next deadline is, so I'm already working on that. Um, just in case anything ever comes up, because there's times where we go away and I'm potentially off work at Netball Europe, so I miss two days of work, or Commonwealth Games, I was away for a month, so it's, mm-hmm. I had to plan all my classes for that month and leave work. So you've just got to be super organised about what you're doing and are you actually up to date with your schedule? And, I think that's why my brother always laughs at me because he's like, God, if you've already done that, I'm like, well, yeah, I'm going to have to do it because I don't time anywhere else. And then I was like, oh, just, just relax. I'm like, no, but I, that gives me stress. I'd rather just do it now and know that it's done. And be um, organised. Uh-huh. I, think, I think if I was playing at your level, like my main challenge would be the nutrition side of things. Like there's a cafe right across the road from my school. Oh. Never, never out of there. And that's it. That's when it becomes like it's really difficult because it's trying to actually be disciplined with it. Yeah. But I think when when I'm in a routine with it, I'm absolutely like I'm absolutely fine. And I'm okay with it. But even like these two weeks off, like they've said to us, like just go and enjoy yourself. Like you don't need to worry about. And right now we don't have a season to train for, so this is the ideal time to actually go and have a break. Like your body does need a rest. Like it needs. To, but you're training at that intensity for that yeah. long, like a long time. Like there's a point that it's going to be like right. I need a rest, and I think it's actually been quite nice for us during this time just to be a bit more flexible about what you're doing. You're not being stupid, but you're also being a bit more relaxed with it. Right, absolutely. All right, I've been looking forward to asking you this one. Uh, has your role, or how has your role as a netballer with the sirens inspired pupils at your school in terms of increasing participation rates in the sport or any sport? Mm-hmm. For me, in our school, netball has really taken off since. So I got there three years ago, um, and now it's, it's the most successful club in our school. Um, we've got Sorry, have you got a, did you say you've got a school in netball? No, we've got a school in netball, just, no, just a club. Um, right. So it started off, uh, it's scary now because my wee, I started off with the S1s, and these girls are now going to S5, which gives me the absolute fear. <laughs> I'm like, you're so old. Um, <laughs> but when we started the club, they were just little babies, and now they're all like, I've seen them through their full school year. Um, but when we started the club, it was very, like, it was new. The girls had never, I didn't have any, I think in the full club, we had maybe at the time, maybe two or three playing in the club, like out with the school. So I had actual experience in netball. The rest just came for social. So for me, it was just trying to get out there and making it as fun as possible. Like it wasn't about coming and making them run lengths of the core. And like that was just not what it was about for me. I was more actually meeting, there's loads of kids came who just came to meet friends and just came for a bit of fun, a bit of enjoyment, talk to somebody. And now the kids that come, they're absolutely fantastic. But I've got 65 in the club. So it's made it extremely... Is that S1 to S3? Or which, um, we're now, so that's us S1 to S4. Yeah, S1 to S4. So my S4 is about to go into S5. So I don't want to go do my seniors next year. I need to work with them. But S1 to S4. So I started off that they competed in the S1 AS3 South Lanarkshire Festivals. So that was kind of two years ago. And then last year was the first year I put them in the Scottish Cup. So we had an S1, S2, S3, and then we had a senior team who all competed in the Scottish Cup. So we've brought them through. And for girls who 
would never have thought that we were going to compete in netball, who are now they're competing against local schools. We do we Cam Glen between Trinity, um, Stonelawn, Cathkin. So them just playing at Cam Glen, if say they didn't want to play in like the big kind of festivals, then they could just go play like locally in the little clubs. Um, we've got them doing that. And then we've obviously got them going out and doing the Scottish Cup. Like I've now probably, I think, in the club, got about 12, 13 playing in clubs, which oh. is excellent. And the numbers are just, every year, there's people at work, can I get a form for netball? I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to have to do another night. I was like, I can't keep it going. So I've ended up, I tried to do it all on my own, which everyone in the school are like, you're off your nut. Because the football, we've got like, there's an S1 team who've got a teacher, and then they've got like the S2 team who's got a different teacher. And they've all got their own. So we've got like S1 to S4 and then go seniors, I'm sure. that they've all got their own coach, whereas I just coach them all. But I'm also very OCD because I hate giving out stuff. Like, I'd rather just know what I'm doing. So yeah. I'd rather... I take charge it. So do you yeah. have like an S1 team, an S2 team, an S3? Or is it just one one team for no. S1 to S4? I've got a team for every year group now. To begin well, you with... Do, you take them all to all the games and that? You do everything? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a bit crazy. I know. That's so I have them like, I sometimes try and do like an S1 for Scottish Cup, like I was looking at all the fixtures and I said, like, I do not know how I'm going to get around the country doing all this, but luckily like we were quite fortunate, our S1 team and our S3 team drew like the same team, so one was meant to be home, one was meant to be away, so like I got in quite early and was like, why don't you just bring your two teams and we'll just play them back to back, Um. so a lot of the nights I was doing like finish school at three and then the kids would play half three to half four, half four to half five, then I'd beat training at six. So it was just like, quickly just get through. Scottish Cup was a bit crazy and two of the teams got to the quarterfinals. So they were in it. <laughs> my S2s and my S3s both got to the quarterfinal stage. So we were up in wow. Aberdeen one day. We were in Edinburgh. So they like, it's fabulous. And the girls even doing the senior league, just getting them exposure. And they're probably like the second or third best team in South Lanarkshire now. Like they're, uh-huh. they're, honestly, they're brilliant. Like the amount they've developed is excellent. I'm... So must be so rewarding for you as well and sharing your experience and helping them develop that must be rewarding oh the kids love it and like they come down and could not be more helpful like do you want me i put them through the netball young leaders award so i've got two we created that we've got netball young leaders and then we've got like kind of younger ones doing it as well now so like the second year's doing it so then they can coach within their classes they can help like any bg classes um, and I got them all to do it and see even just doing that they just come down and they just want to coach so everything they're down they're like can we help and I'm like absolutely mm, just so keen you can't be training it's like can we take the warm up like, yeah when you go take the warm up like absolutely and I'm working to try and get them out coaching and them delivering a lot of them even the older ones now they've all took sports development so I'll, I'm doing sports development last year and this year so mm-hmm. I'll have loads of them which that will massively help them um, and we were lucky enough, we actually got signs for success. We were able to bid to get them in as well. So the kids just seen another player come in, but that wasn't really our netball team. So that actually got out to the kids that disengaged kids and try to get them engaged in PE and just looking at a different sport. And the amount of kids that did that, and they went to the Emirates and they competed. And the amount of them that joined the netball team after it was unbelievable. I had mm-hmm. so many of them caught up. I'm like, miss, we really enjoyed it. And can I do that for my national performance? And I'm like, absolutely. Like, why not? Um, Having an so- impact then massive massive impact and we'll be lucky enough with my signings that I can like we bring to like trips to the Emirates that they can come and watch so they can come and I just get one of our teachers to bring them and see just them getting to actually watch competitive sport like and watch like 
we know what they think netball looks like, but it's completely different. You come and actually watch high performance sport, and mm-hmm. kind of like even just coming and experience like what's the fan zone like, and look at all the merchandise, and then go to your street and look how many fans there are. I just think for kids that age, it's absolutely fantastic right. and good experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had one of the kids as my mascot last year as well, so one of them ran out with me on one of the Sky games. So we just did a, we pulled out a hat and one of the girls in the club got to run on with me. So that was like, I love just doing stuff for them. Like whatever mm-hmm. helps them, I'm always just really keen. Like the more they can get out and get exposure in it, like the better for them. And yeah. we, we even took kids down last year, we were playing wasps and it was a bit mental. <laughs> I took them with me. <laughs> so I was like, you can come. So... I went down and the coaches were really good with me that I could, so I went down with the kids and we were down in Wasps from the Friday to the Sunday and they got to like, they got a workshop with the Wasps team and they got to meet the players and they got to go into the changing rooms and then they came in and met all the Sirens players. So I was kind of like with them and then back with the squad and then the squad went back home after the game and then I stayed with the kids and then came back to the road. That's so like, I just love taking them trips and stuff just to get as much, yeah. like you say, just so much netball but I, just, I love it to be honest. I'm, I don't know it's busy, but I wouldn't probably. That's why we do it though. That's why we do it, isn't it? I think it's for the benefit of the kids at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So you kind of touched on the Sirens for Success programme um, as a way to inspire uh, women and girls to get into sport. Um, what are you doing to overcome the challenges in women's sport with the lack of media representation and coverage? Uh, what do you do as a team to stand out? I think it's a difficult one with the media representation in terms of. There's not, in terms of actually us and the media, it's ways that we can then, what else can we do to then get ourselves out there? So if the coverage isn't as good, it's good that we're getting more Sky Sports, but we probably need more still. So we're on the kind of, we're starting to make improvements, but there's still a kind of massive, still got loads of way to go, put it that way. Um, Mm -hmm. But for me, it's more us getting out to the community and us actually go to grassroots level and looking at the kids and showing them who you are and telling them about your story and actually have an impact from a younger level rather than waiting, 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 and then they just come and watch you and it's, oh, who are these people or what is this? Mm-hmm. So actually getting yourself out there. It's not just going out to get netball out there, but it's actually female sports. So look what we're doing, look, look how we're training and actually giving the kids the knowledge of what's happening. And there'll be a lot of times that I'll go and just go to like netball festivals and just present the medals at the end. And I'll always just do a kind of talk about what, my story is and where I've came from and how I've worked through and where I am. And it just shows the kids that, I mean, I go up to South Lancashire and Alan McCoy's and I always tell them, I sat there 12 years ago. I sat exactly where you sat and then look at where kind of my stories went and where my whole netball careers went. So for me, it's about us getting ourselves out there. Performance-wise, it's about showing our fans what we can do. And I always find that if you can put on a good performance and you can put a good show on for your fans, that's, they're then going to go out and they're going to then talk to other folk who's then going to get involved or, oh, who are you talking about? All the sirens, who are they? And then they'll look it up. Oh, let's go watch them. Let's try and get bums on seats. Let's try and look at, like, right, how we engage in our fans. So we obviously use our social media individually. You'll see that Sirens have obviously got their own page as well that we can get out to our fans. And Sirens for Success, great way to then get kids who never heard of netball in schools, inspire. So just getting to that younger generation and showing that, Female sport is huge and it's getting bigger. We're making steps, but we are the people that need to make the change. So we need people to help us out. It sounds as if you've got control and you're kind of controlling what you're doing and then that will take care of itself through word of mouth and stuff like that. So Always find, do what you can do. And the more we put in, the more we're going to get out. And 
things are changing and we are getting, we can definitely see the improvements that are making, even from when I've started the programme to now. I mean, the difference in netball in terms of the coverage we're getting, even that is huge. But yeah. is it still the same as male representation? No. Is there still a long way to go? Yes. Oh, you've put that well. Thanks for um, rounding that off really nicely. We're just going to move on to the quick fire round now. So, loose. Right, so nice, just short, sharp answers, and it's just three quick questions for you here. So, first one if you could have a billboard in your hometown or anywhere in the world, what would it say on it? Mine would literally just say, never give up. Brilliant. Question Perfect. two How has a failure or apparent failure set you up for later success, or do you have a favourite failure? Yep, so 2014, I was named the reserve for the Commonwealth Games squad. 2018, I was one of the starting seven players at the 2018 Commonwealth Games. Which, yeah. Amazing. Right, what advice would you give to a young teenage athlete? I would just go for your goals. Whatever you want to do, go for it. And I've always said that put the hard work in when nobody else is watching because that's when it counts. Right. Everyone can see when you're training, everyone's there, but it's I love that quote. away from it. What you're doing private. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Each week we have a key takeaway message from um, the guests and from ourselves. So just out of respect, we always let the, the guest go first. So do you have a key takeaway message for from today's podcast? Yeah, I just think thinking about it, like especially in the current situation that we've got, that this is a great time to support, connect with folk, make sure, like focus your attention on something else and making sure you find a positive, like this is a struggle, this is a difficult time, but there's ways to get through it. So actually see the positive and what could be a struggle. And that actually this time right now relates to sport really, really well about you're going to, you're going to have struggles, but how do you overcome them? How do you turn them into a positive? What can you do about it? Brilliant. I, that's like with, with us with this podcast, trying to find something new that we've never done before. Trying to do this. Absolutely. Oh, it's kept us busy, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Focus your attention on something that you're interested in, that you've got a passion about, 100%. Yeah, I know, we love it. So it does they feel like extra work, if you know what I mean? Because we're so interested in it. and Help you enjoy. Putting mm-hmm. content out there. Clark, takeaway message. Salute. My, my takeaway message would be from a PE perspective when we're speaking about the factors impacting performance and you asked Nicola about the mental factor um, decision making and how Nicola spoke about how every pass matters towards the end of the game and in the extra time when they were playing Barbados. So that was really, really uh, a good example of it when it's in a high pressure situation and you need to kind of focus on when you've got the ball, who do you pass to, when do you pass it and obviously you've got that three-second time limit in netball, so it needs to be done quickly. Whereas in other sports, you've got extra time. So I think in netball, decision-making is massive. You need to make those quick decisions based on what you see. And you need to execute them under pressure as well. So I thought that was a really good example of it having a positive impact for the team. Also how it impacts you differently in different stages mm-hmm. of the game as well. So does it like it's oh, yeah, absolutely. the game game goes on. But... Uh, it's almost as if like, towards the end of the game, it gets more scrutinised, doesn't it? Every Absolutely. error that you make, it gets over-scrutinised when it's high pressure. So yeah, You make a mistake, you're going to know about it. <laughs> Aye, whereas you can get away with a couple at the start, mm-hmm. can you? Exactly. Um, What's yours, Lewis? My key takeaway message would be to do with how you can overcome, because I can resonate with this as well, like how you overcome your, your busy schedule between being a teacher and a full-time athlete. And it is just, just being really organised. Like 
if I want to get up and go for a run in the morning before I start my work, because I've got like an hour's long drive to get there, I need to have everything just laid out in the morning, as much as my running shoes, each sock, just so it's as easy as possible for me when I get up in the morning to just get my stuff on and go. If that stuff's not looked out the night before, then it's just it just makes it, so you're just chasing the rest of your day after that if you're not organised, and I just think that's a brilliant one. Um, and I think it's so important if you've got a busy schedule, just have everything organised, don't even your breakfast, just anything that just makes your day that wee bit easier because then it'll just um, flow smoothly after it. So I thought Absolutely. that was a good one. Just make sure you set the alarm as well. You're all good. <laughs> I always say, just plan ahead. Like, that was at me this morning. Like, I knew that I probably wouldn't want to train after I sit, sit down and chat and then I'll go my lunch. So I just set my alarm this morning, got up, did a training session, and then that me I can just sit down now this afternoon and do your work. Now you know, yeah. get work done this ah, afternoon. It's probably, um, we, we went to run this morning as well. What a feeling it is when you get it out of the way. But it's just being disciplined to get up and get it out of the way. It's a hard bit. Because then if you don't do it, I always feel you think about it the whole day. Oh, that's all I, I, I need to go back. I know, same. 100%, I'm the exact same. I'm like, I still want to do that. I still, and I don't focus on it nails that well because I know, still it annoys you. Do that. Mm-hmm. Right, thanks very much for um, no, coming thank on. You for yeah, I appreciate your time, Nicola. Cheers. No, we'll thank get out, you. I think guys. it's a week. I think Arn Anderson's is Monday, and then aye, a week on Monday should be out. So Perfect. I'll share it with you on Instagram and stuff like that. Amazing. Get it out there. Right, thanks very much. Right, thanks very much. Sweet deal. Bye. Thanks again to everybody who has been listening to the podcast each week. It really is great to see a variety of different people reaching out to us saying they enjoyed certain episodes and were able to take something from it. We are both grateful for the positive feedback we've been receiving on the podcast and we just hope that continues and we hope to get um, a variety of different guests on in the future as well just to keep the content coming. As always, if you see it on Facebook or Twitter, we would appreciate it if you could give us a share or a retweet as this helps us get the podcast out there so others can listen as well and hopefully take some things from it. Until next time, we hope you all have a fantastic week and take care.